The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. There was a wedding at Cana in Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. Jesus and his disciples were also invited to the wedding. When the wine ran short, the mother of Jesus said to him, They have no wine. And Jesus said to her, Woman, how does your concern affect me? My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, Do whatever he tells you. Now there were six stone water jars there for Jewish ceremonial washings, each holding 20 to 30 gallons. Jesus told them, Fill the jars with water. So they filled them to the brim. Then he told them, Draw some out now and take it to the head waiter. And so they took it. And when a head waiter tasted water that had become wine without knowing where it came from, although they had drawn from the water, although they who had drawn the water knew, the head waiter called the bridegroom and said to him, Everyone serves good wine first, and then when the people have drunk freely, an inferior one. But you have kept the good wine until now. Jesus did this as the beginning of his signs at Cana in Galilee, and so revealed his glory, and his disciples began to believe in him. My brothers and sisters in Christ, the gospel of the Lord. We began the day here at the shrine with a very curious problem. We arrived this morning and found a literal mountain of flowers dropped off at the doors of the church. That's where all of these came from. <laughs> and the problem is a Everybody should have such problems. But it was literally, okay, we don't have much time. How do we get these in manageable order and do something with this marvelous gift from heaven that we received today? There was no card attached to the flowers. We do not know who donated them or who dropped them off. But we are, in fact, very, very grateful. And it is just that simple gesture is a reminder of how a single act of kindness toward Our Lady touches many. Because all of us who are here today benefit from the gift. What is given to Our Lady always works that way. What is given to Our Lady always redounds well beyond the giver's intention always redounds well beyond the limited extent of the gift. Father de Montfort speaks of that when he speaks of what it is to do things for Our Lady. And he says, you might say to me, Father, why don't you just do something for God? And St. Louis de Montfort answers this way. If I do something for God, what does God get from me? He gets that little thing that I gave him. And that's not bad. That, in fact, is very, very good. So the issue is not that that is bad. The question is, 
Could I maybe give God something better? And he says, that's the power of doing something for Our Lady. Because when I extend an act of kindness to Our Lady and she receives it, however imperfect it is, her heart swells with gratitude. She understands that when we honor her, we are also honoring all that God has done in her and through her including that greatest of all honors of crowning her with the dignity and the role of being the mother of the Word made flesh. And as she remembers that, she lifts her voice to heaven and she praises and thanks God. And what does God get then? He gets the thanksgiving of Our Lady, which is a lot bigger than the little gift that I would offer myself. Note how wonderful that is. Note how wonderful that is. This desire to praise God fully, to glorify God more perfectly. And I recognize my limit. My limit that my ability to praise, my ability to glorify only goes so far. But in his goodness, he has already given me one who can amplify that if I am humble enough to trust her, loving enough to honor her, if I but take that initiative. And with that in mind, then, let's reflect on this beautiful feast that we celebrate today, the memorial of Our Lady of Lourdes, where Our Lady comes and visits a young girl named Bernadette at the Grotto of Massabielle in France an out-of-the-way place. The grotto itself, a neglected area of Masa, outside of the town of Lourdes. A little girl, small for her age. Unremarkable. And Our Lady appears there. And in appearing there, Our Lady does something that reaches and extends beyond that little place and the one little girl she spoke to. Our Lady comes and visits a wounded world in need of healing. Her visit was not simply to speak to Bernadette. Her visit was to bring the touch of grace and the healing goodness of God to a world that knew so very much woundedness and continues to do so down to our present day. This is part of the beautiful secret of Lourdes. But again, it spills out from something small. Bernadette's faithful response, Bernadette's surrender to Our Lady becomes something that is amplified by grace to touch the entire globe. To such an extent that we gather here in such large numbers today. Many of us who have never physically been to Lourdes, many of us who don't speak a word of France, French, let alone the dialect that Bernadette and Our Lady spoke during those several visits. And yet here we are touched in some way by this visit.
Note how the presence of Our Lady amplifies, multiplies small beginnings into something wondrous, something wonderful indeed. This is why she reveals herself to the young girl as the Immaculate Conception, which doesn't simply say, I am without sin. It announces, when the Lord desired to heal this sin-fallen world, the first one to receive that healing is me. Healed from the wound of original sin before she's born set free from that wound without ever having received it. An act of healing by which Christ comes into the world. And why is she the Immaculate Conception? Because you and I need the healing that Christ brings. And Christ is pleased to first heal her that he might heal you by coming to you, in her, through her, with her, and by her. How beautifully, then, the event at Lourdes captures this for us. Our Lady, who speaks of the need to do prayer and penance so that we might receive healing, spiritual healing from the woundedness of our addiction to sin, but who then asks Bernadette to dig, to go through that curious ritual that puzzled so many and made them think she was mad, digging into the muddy ground, looking for water that wasn't there. And despite the laughter and the murmurs of those who didn't see Our Lady but saw Bernadette on her knees digging, and even lifting up muddy hands to see if she could drink out of them. She kept digging until the smallest of springs emerged. It wasn't a torrent. It was a trickle. A little bit of water bubbling up out of the ground where Our Lady had pointed. And over the next several days, that little trickle of water became a great spring that filled pools. The healing water of Lourdes, beginning with this foolish act of a young girl in her faithful surrender, digging for it at Our Lady's instruction. A small amount of water, a trickle, which becomes a flood and a flood whose waters have brought healing, not simply interior healing, but real, physical, miraculous healing to so very many over the course of the decades that have followed down to this present day. How marvelous. The sinless virgin, the first of us who are healed, that one through whom the healing love of Christ comes into the world arrives at Lourdes so that a world in need of healing, both a healing of the spirit and a healing of the body, might know where to turn and whom to trust. 
Small wonder then that the church gives us this beautiful gospel reading of the wedding of Cana to meditate on today. A reading as well that accords a curious place to water. The need is wine. Jesus says, fill those jars up with water. Those empty jars used for the ritual washings. And what does their emptiness say? But the ritual washings have run their course. They can only go so far. In a world which has hit its limit, these empty jars signify that limit. That all other ways only go so far. But Christ asks for some, brings something that goes beyond them. And so the Lord comes and he points to the empty vessels of the old ritual. And he doesn't say get rid of them. He doesn't say discard them. He says fill them again. He asks for water. Now think of Bernadette. Our lady pointed to the ground where there was no water. And Bernadette began digging in dry ground and then hit mud and then eventually hit water. Note, water is not easy to come by when you don't have any. And the same thing was true that day at the wedding. How do you get 180 gallons of water? You make roughly 180 trips to the well with your one-gallon bucket. You drop the bucket down, you draw it up, you carry it to the jug, and you fill it, and you do it over again. A ridiculous amount of work that doesn't seem to have a point. And so let's pause right here with those servants who curiously don't protest and do that long, difficult, apparently pointless work of filling those empty jugs with water when what they need is wine. And let's consider what all too many of our brothers and sisters have been going through for the last two years. How many of those who work in hospitals have had this terrible feeling of going through the motions every day? Another crisis, another sick person, not enough resources, spent physically, worried about their own health, emotionally exhausted because of all of the woundedness that so relentlessly presses in. And there are no days off, and the shifts are long. And every day, it's like that trip to the well with the bucket. I'm not exactly sure what's happening. I just got, no, I got to drop the bucket down, draw it up, and fill the jug. How many of those we know who care for elderly parents or sick children know the same thing? That grind of exhaustion and repetition. And how many of our sick, especially chronically ill brothers and sisters know that? The ongoing chemo treatments, the endless trips and doctor visits, those long days at home without anybody around, the relentless presence of the physical limitations I have to deal with. 
and so much seems like an endurance contest. And there doesn't always seem to be a road map or an end in sight. Like those servants, another trip to the well because there's still space in the jar. I'm not sure what filling the jar means, but I know somehow I need to do it. I don't know how filling the jar gets me wine. In the same way, so many of our brothers and sisters don't always know what the roadmap is, what the outcome is, and yet it's important to keep doing this. Just like Bernadette had to keep digging into that dirt until the water appeared. And so note that Jesus is pleased to wait until those jars are full. Think about that for a second. He could have given them the wine at any point, but he didn't. He could have given them the wine without asking for those jars to be filled. He could have waved his hand and did all of that, but he didn't. There was something about that faithfulness, about that service, about that filling the jug that mattered. And it mattered because so much of the life we live is a matter of filling the jars. So much of what we do is filling the jars. So much of what we do is filling the jars without always knowing why, but sensing that getting that jar full is important. And if I don't haul the bucket, the jar don't. Note how marvelous this miracle really is. Jesus does it this way to show us that he knows that, that he understands that. But it's not just any jars that are being filled, it's the jars that are filled at the command of Christ. And why are they being filled? Because Our Lady called the servants, brought them to Christ, and said, do what he tells you. And Jesus gives them this difficult instruction just like those who feel that call from God in their hearts to care for their brothers and sisters know that they have to do it, even if they don't know the outcome. The Lord expects it of me. The Lord wants it from me. And it's not an easy thing he's given me to do. Those who bear the cross of illness have this beautiful but painful union with the Lord in his suffering. And he wants us to have it. We don't always understand why. We don't always feel a sense of relief, and yet it's important that we suffer rightly. It's important that we bear the cross he's been pleased to give us. And so the jar has to be filled. Because that's how life in this wounded world does work. The difference, however, is when we fill the jar that Christ points out, when we fill the jar in accordance with the Spirit of Christ, when we allow Our Lady to bring us to Him in a way that opens us to Him, just like she opened that dirty ground before Bernadette, and she opened the hearts of those servants 2,000 years ago, when that happens and the jars are full, the abundance of grace arrives. 
And every single bucket of water, every drop of that water that was hauled to fill those buckets with so much effort and so much exhaustion, every drop of that work, every drop of that faithfulness is transformed into something glorious. And that's where the new wine came from. While we're filling the buckets, while we're filling the jars, it's hard. It's frustrating. We don't get the taste of the new wine yet. But we have to understand, there does come the moment when the jars are full. There does come the moment when everything is ready. And not a single drop of that faithfulness is ever lost, ever wasted, ever allowed to go missing. Jesus Christ changes it all. And if there's an abundance of exhaustion, an abundance of pain, an abundance of woundedness, an abundance of confusion, an abundance of frustration, all of that is transformed. This is the mystery we celebrate today. This is why so many go to those waters in Lourdes. This is why so many turn to Our Lady on this day with so much confidence and trust. This is why it is this day and not some other day that the church has set aside as World Day of Prayer for the sick. What a beautiful day this is. It's a beautiful day that reminds us of the difficulty and the hardship and the cross of illness and struggle and how difficult and demanding it can be to care for those who are sick and how difficult and demanding it can be to simply be sick. But we also see within this mystery the touch of glory, the presence of grace, because it is to the sick and wounded world that Our Lady comes. And she comes because her son longs to bring that healing goodness to us. So on this day, we pray for that grace to be renewed in our faithfulness, to be renewed in our generosity, to be renewed in our patience, and especially to be renewed in our confidence. That great confidence that even as we're filling the jars, and we don't know exactly when, we do know that on the other side, there is an abundance of new wine waiting for us. Amen. And all of that being said, it is only right that on this day we celebrate the blessing of holy water. And if you listen carefully to the words of this blessing, you will hear a note of healing included in the prayer. Our help is in the name of the Lord, who made heaven and earth. Thou creature of salt, I purge thee of evil, by the living God, by the true God, by the holy God, by the God who ordered thee through Eliseus the prophet to be cast into the water to cure its unfruitfulness, be thou a purified salt for the health of believers, giving soundness of body and soul to all who use thee.
in whatever place thou art sprinkled. May phantoms and wickedness and Satan's cunning be banished. And let every unclean spirit be repulsed by him who shall come to judge the living and the dead and the world by fire. Amen. Let us pray. O almighty, everlasting God, humbly we implore thy boundless mercy, that thou wouldst deign of thy goodness to bless and sanctify this creature of salt, which thou hast given for the use of mankind. May all that use it find in it a remedy for soul and body, and let everything which it touches or sprinkles be freed from uncleanness and assault of evil spirits. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, thy Son, who liveth and reigneth with thee in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God eternally. Amen. Amen. Thou creature of water, I purge thee of evil in the name of God the Father Almighty, in the name of Jesus Christ, his Son, our Lord, and in the power of the Holy Spirit, that thou mayst be water fit to brace us against the envious foe. Mayst thou be empowered to drive him forth and exile him together with his fallen angels by the power of the selfsame Jesus Christ our Lord, who shall come to judge the living and the dead and the world by fire. Amen. Amen. Let us pray. O God, who for man's salvation dost dispense wondrous mysteries with the efficacious sign of water, hearken to our prayer, pouring forth thy benediction upon this element which we consecrate with manifold purifications. Let this creature serve thee in expelling demons and curing diseases. Whatsoever it sprinkles in the homes of the faithful, be it cleansed and delivered from harm. Let such homes enjoy a spirit of goodness and an air of tranquility, freed from baneful and hidden snares. By the sprinkling of this water, may everything opposed to the safety and repose of them that dwell therein be banished, so that they may possess the well-being they seek in calling upon thy holy name and be protected from all peril. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, thy Son, who liveth and reigneth with thee in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God eternally. Amen. Amen. May this salt and water be mixed together in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. The Lord be with you. Let us pray. Author of invincible strength and king of an unconquerable empire, ever the gloriously triumphant one, who restraineth the force of the adversary, who overcometh the fierceness of the devouring enemy, who valiantly putteth down hostile influences, prostrate and fearsome we beseech thee, Lord. Consider kindly this creature of salt and water. Make it honored and sanctify it with the dew of thy sweetness. Wherever it is sprinkled in thy name, may devilish infection cease, venomous terror be driven afar, 
But let the presence of the Holy Spirit be ever with us as we implore thy mercy. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, thy Son, who liveth and reigneth with thee in the unity of the same Holy Spirit, God eternally. Amen. Amen.